Well, good evening. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. We'll uh, go ahead and jump right in uh, tonight as we look at crossroads and the decisions that we make and the way uh, that we decide on how to do that. You know, we've all uh, are faced with decisions every day and uh, we all get an opportunity to make those decisions. And so every one of us has a, a way in which we do that. So there's some type of methodology or some type of process that uh, you and I all go through that we've, uh, we've come up with uh, in our own life to say, well, here's how I make a decision. And so when you're faced with an opportunity to make a decision, you lean on that experience or what it is that you've done in the past to get you uh, to the right decision. Now, uh, you know, conventional wisdom would say, okay, when I had a decision to make, and I made a decision and it led me to where God wanted me to go. Whatever I just did, I need to do that again, right? You know, that, that would be the proper way for us to continue to make the right decisions. But what often happens in our life, and we're going to look at a little bit here about this tonight, is that we make decisions and then we don't apply the same logic or the same process to that decision uh, the, to the next decision. And so what we're hoping to do through the study is that we can build a familiar process that uh, we can return to and say, okay, here is a, a situation that I'm faced with and I need to make a decision. And primarily this decision needs to honor God in every, in, in every aspect. So what is going to lead me to make that right decision? So, uh, so the first uh, blank on your handout, you'll notice that we all make decisions that lead us down <clears throat> the path that God has determined for us. Uh, so we, we desire to do that. We want to make the right decisions. And, uh, and ultimately, we want to make the decisions that God has in store for us. Now, none of us sees the whole picture, and, uh, but God does. And so God knows exactly what he has in store for us. And uh, <clears throat> so every one of those decisions that we make, uh, they're going to lead us somewhere. They're going to take us down uh, a direction. And, uh, and in, as you notice here, every decision like we talked about last week, whether it's big or small, has the potential for significant ramifications. Uh, if you just think back about, uh, as Pastor Tony mentioned last week, about the decisions that uh, led to uh, him marrying Miss Lisa, I think about the decisions that led me uh, to Michael Memorial uh, in 2012. Uh, we had just moved back from seminary, and I had previously worked for Edward Jones. And I was given an opportunity to go back to work uh, for Edward Jones. And so I think about that moment when uh, I received the phone call and, and I made the decision, yes, I'll, I will accept that position. I'll, I'll do that. I'll go back to work. And so in going back to work uh, for Edward Jones, I ended up moving to the coast, uh, taking a position down here, which led me to being invited to Michael Memorial Baptist Church, which then led to me uh, having an opportunity to serve on staff here at the church. And so the that moment, that phone call, that decision that was made back in May of 2012 has led to here five years later, uh, me having an opportunity to do ministry uh, on the coast. And so every decision, uh, whether we think they're big or small, they have ma uh, major or significant implications uh, to the future. And so it's important that as we look at the decision-making process that we apply uh, it's important that we make the decisions, again, that will lead us to the choices that God has in store for us. Now, you know, as we look at these decisions that we make, you have the ability, I have the ability to make 
the decision myself through the gift of free will. We, we get the opportunity to make these choices. So God gives us the freedom to uh, decide uh, which path or which route that we'll take based on the uh, choices that are in front of us. Now, those choices that we get to make, that we're free to make, we're, we're not free to do what we think is right, though, in our own eyes. We're not, we're not given the ability to determine uh, what's right or wrong. You know, the Bible says that all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But that good is not what I think is good. It's what God defines as good. And so we're not free to do what we think is right in our own eyes. We're called to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And so uh, we have to make the right decisions based upon uh, what God says is right. And so it's important that we get the decisions uh, that God makes and we get the decisions that uh, His Word instructs us to make. You see, right decisions are not based on what outcome this will have for me but they are based on what outcome that God has for me. And so I can't make these decisions uh, and look at, as we talked about last week, I can't look at every decision and think to myself, okay, well, what will have the ramifications, the best ramifications for me? No, I need to look at a decision. You need to look at a decision and say, what outcome does God have for this situation? You see, every decision that we make is either leading us closer to the Lord or farther away from God's sovereign plan for our lives. Remember, there's no such thing as a big or small decision. Every decision has significant ramifications. And so in every decision that we make, we're either taking a step closer to where God has intended for us to go, or we are going in the opposite direction. We're stepping farther away from God's sovereign plan for our lives. And so it's very important that we apply the right logic, the right wisdom Uh, to the decision-making process so that we can continue to move closer to uh, where God wants us to be. You see, sometimes we make some good decisions, but sometimes we don't make some good decisions. You see, sometimes our decisions honor God. We do things that are uh, right, that we do things that God would intend for us to do, and those decisions bring glory to God, but sometimes we make some decisions that are pretty foolish. As I was thinking about uh, the decision-making process, and I, I thought to myself, you know, there are some decisions that I've made. You probably would agree that there are some decisions that you've made that we would all love to do over again, right? I mean, you think about <clears throat> all the decisions and, that we make year after year, day after day, week after week, and you know, there's a lot of things that I wish I could just hit the reset button on, things that I, I could go back and, and do over again. I, I'm sure you would probably agree with that. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, what are some characteristics of those decisions? And I want to avoid those decisions, uh, those bad decisions as much as possible. And so as we think about making the right decisions, well, I think it's important to look at what are some characteristics of the decisions that we wish we could do again. Well, I think the first thing that we'll notice when we think about those bad decisions is that every one of those decisions was made in haste. I mean, I look back at those decisions that I made that I want to do over on, and I I made those decisions very quickly. 
Uh, it was maybe, you know, a spur of the moment decision or it was just a by chance decision. And so I said, well, you know, I'm just going to make the decision. And so in doing so, it was made very quickly. You would probably agree that all of the decisions that you've made that you want to do over on, that you made those very, very quickly. They were made in haste. Number two, uh, they were made based on what we thought would or should happen. You know, we make decisions that uh, what we think the outcome should be are based on our expectations. And so we say, God, here's what I'm going to do and here's how I think it will land. And so based on that decision, here's what the outcome should be. And so all of those decisions that I thought back on and the things that I wish I could do differently, things I wish I could do over, they were things that I thought they should have ended one way and they ended a completely different way. So I made those decisions in haste. You you make decisions in haste. We, we make these based on what we think will happen. And number three, these decisions are never based on God's word. Never. I mean, if you think about those decisions uh, that we want to do over, these decisions, we didn't sit down with God's word and say, okay, God, what is it that you intend for me to do here? And we didn't receive instruction from the word and then go act on it. Because if that's what you did, then that's what God intended for you to do. And then in doing so, it was a good decision. No matter what the outcome was, if God led you to do that through his word, well, then that was a decision that you should have made. And so when we make these decisions, what we're doing is we're, we're communicating our will, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. You know, like I mentioned uh, here previously, number two, uh, these bad decisions were based on what we thought would or should happen. Well, that, basically what, what we're saying here is that when I make a decision, I am communicating my desires. I'm communicating my will. Now, the problem that we run into with that is that, uh, or the question, I guess you would say, is, is my will the same as God's will? Now, if the answer is yes to that, then we've made the right decision. But if the answer is wrong, that's where we get in trouble. You see, all decisions that we make, they have a catalyst or a reason as to why it was made. As you think about your decision-making process and you think about uh, the things that you do uh, to make those decisions or the process that you use, there's a reason, there's reasoning behind why you make those decisions. Maybe uh, you uh, felt led to do that. Maybe with someone, uh, maybe someone influenced that. Maybe a, a certain scenario had influenced you to do that. But every decision has a catalyst. And bad decisions often make, uh, may, can take the form, rather, of following impressions or hunches that masquerade themselves as messages from God. And so, you know, a lot of times you'll hear, hear people say, I've said it before, maybe I would imagine you probably have too, that uh, you, you just felt impressed uh, by the Lord to do that. And, and sometimes that leads the wrong way. You know, your heart will lead you astray. Your heart will lead you to do things that, uh, you probably shouldn't do. And so, you know, there's a lot of mistakes that we make in the decision-making process. And so tonight I, I want to share uh, just three common mistakes that often happen in decision-making, That mistakes that uh, I've made before, uh, mistakes that you've made before, that you've heard before. They're very, very common, but just hear me out here. The, these are mistakes. They're not the right way to do it. So the first thing we'll jump right in here is flipping a coin or casting lots. Flipping a coin or casting lots. A lot of people make decisions very flippantly. 
They don't give any thought or uh, discernment to the situation. They just say, well, I'm just, it's a 50-50 shot here. I'm just going give it, to give it a chance. I'm going to flip the coin here. Well, every, every one of our decisions are very, very important to God. There's not a decision that you'll make that God's not interested in. And every one of those decisions is going to have an impact on your life. I remember when we just started here earlier, every decision uh, has significant implications to our life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And then look what Paul writes here. I underlined it for you on your handout. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so Paul instructs us here to not be foolish, to to not make a flippant decision. You see, Scripture never commands or even advises us to make decisions by such superficial methods. The Bible never commands us to do that. There's never uh, any advisement from Scripture to just make some whimsical decision. No, God instructs us to be wise, to be thoughtful. Paul says to not be foolish. And so when we give little or no thought to God in our decisions, we fail to fulfill our purpose, which is, of course, to glorify God in all that we do. So when we we don't consider the Lord's will, when we don't consider uh, the word of God to instruct us, uh, the wisdom of the Lord to guide us, when we don't consider that, what we're doing is we're taking matters into our own hands and we are completely stepping away from the intended purpose that God has for our lives, which is to glorify Him. And so flipping a coin or casting lots is not, uh, is not the way to make decisions. It's a very common mistake, uh, but it is the wrong way to decide. The second thing you'll notice on your handout is, and this is so common, that you've heard people say this all the time, God told me to do it. God told me to do it. You know, on the outset, that sounds incredible. I mean, I remember uh, when I was in Virginia, I was preaching in northern Virginia and I went to this uh, church up there and I was uh, preaching about, I mentioned that God had, uh, God had spoken to me, God had called me uh, to move to Virginia. And uh, there was a college student in the uh, congregation and so after church he came to me and, and he said, you know, God has never spoken to me before. What, what, do, you, what do you mean that God... God told you to move to Virginia, that God called you to do that. And so we, we talked about it, and uh, for the next few weeks, he and I chatted uh, via phone about, you know, what that looks like and, and how, how God does that. I mean, it is, it is so common. You've, you've heard people say this. You've probably said it before. Even this last week, I, I had someone I was having a conversation with, and, and they began to tell me this story about how God had spoken to to them, and he had told them to do something, and and that you know I, I just I listened to the story, and I thought to myself, you know, initially that sounds amazing. I mean, the the God of the universe spoke directly to you. But when you when you really think about this, when you examine it, <clears throat> what people are saying when they say this is that they're saying that God told them something besides. What he has already told them in the Bible. What? So, so you're telling me that God, he is telling you something that he's never told anyone else before. 
Now, now that's a very, that's a very slippery slope. I mean, think about, think about how all the other religions in the world were created. Think about, uh, think about Mormonism. Uh, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon religion, Joseph Smith was uh, in upstate New York and, and he was praying that, that God would give him wisdom. And so he, he claims that God led him to some tablets of stone that he found that had the Mormon Bible inscribed on them. And, and he brought them back and he was the only one who translated them. And then they destroyed those tablets. He, in essence, said the exact same thing, that God told him to do something. He, God told him something that he had never told anyone else. No. Mm-mm. You see, when, when people say that, they're saying that what God told them was more specific and more personal than even the commands and the principles of Scripture. Now, again, it sounds amazing when people say, God spoke to me, God told me to do that. But the question is, what did God say to you? Did He say something from you that was apart from, uh, to you rather, that was apart from the Word of God? No. You see, I'm, I'm not saying that God can't do that. Because I'm, I'm not going to put God in a box. I'm not going to say what God cannot do. But what I'm telling you is that based on what we know about the character and nature of God, that God is not going to reveal something to an individual that is not available through the Word of God. You see, in expecting God to speak in the same way that He did in biblical times, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for serious disappointment and disillusion. We're, people began to uh, contrive scenarios in their heart and in their mind, and then they began to follow things that they say God told them to do, when in fact God, God did not tell them to do that. These revelations, if you will, they, they can mislead believers into doing something that's contrary to God's Word. Listen, God will never instruct you to do something apart from His Word. It will never contradict what He's already told us to do in His Word. You may, you may think, you may be thinking in your mind, well, now wait a minute, Pastor Matt, there was many times in Scripture that God spoke to people and that He told them to do something. You're absolutely right, He did. He did tell them to do that. But think about this, the Old Testament did not have the complete written Word of God. They had uh, the prophets, that they were declaring the things that God had intended uh, for the people to know. Uh, but they did not have, they were on this side of the cross. They didn't know what Jesus would bring. They didn't know the mission that Jesus would fulfill. And then, of course, in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament had Jesus himself. The, the word, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, John 1, 1, and the word was with God and the word was God. They did not have that. And so as, as God was revealing himself in scripture, but Jesus was the culmination of the revealing of who God is. Jesus was the apex. He was the pinnacle of God revealing himself. So flipping a coin is a very common mistake saying that God told me to do it, and then number three, seeking a sign. Now, there's been uh, many uh, foxhole scenarios where people say, you know, God, if you'll, if you'll just do this, if you'll just show me this situation, then, then I'll do it. Then I'll know it's from you. Well, in Judges chapter 6, verses 36 through 40, we're familiar with Gideon. And uh, God had already told Gideon to do something. But Gideon said, well, Lord, I, I want to know that, God, I want to know this, what you want me to do. And so I'm going to put this fleece out 
And you know the story. And so Gideon puts a fleece out. Well, you know, this has led to a very prevalent decision-making method called putting out a fleece, right? You've heard people say that before? Well, I'm just going to put out a fleece and, and see, see what God says. Listen, Gideon had already received a word from God. God already told him what to do. But he lacked the faith to do what God had called him to do. And so he, he started testing God. He starts putting, well, God, if you'll do this, then I'll know for sure that's what you want me to do. You see, God had already spoken very clearly about something in his word. He had already told Gideon what to do. And the same goes for situations today. God has already spoken very clearly in his word about what he intends for us to do. And yet what oftentimes happens is people refuse to obey or identify it as, what, as God's words. And so they simply say, well, God hasn't shown me yet. Yes, he has. It's called the Bible. You see... A lot of times, you know, you think, well, okay, well, hang on just a second. There were signs in the Bible that God used. Well, that's true. Supernatural signs in the Bible were very frequently used. But supernatural signs in the Bible were a means of special revelation. You see, what God was doing is he was revealing himself. It was a way that God was telling his people what to do. You, you know, in the Old Testament, there was a cloud by day and a fire by night. God was revealing himself in these situations, but these were validation. These supernatural signs were validation of those people who brought the special revelation. You see, when God revealed new parts of the Bible, when God was speaking through the Old Testament prophets, when God was uh, revealing himself in the New Testament, when new parts of the Bible were being revealed, he sent miracles to validate those that were delivering the message. Think about every time that God was delivering His Word. There was validation. Now, all of these miracles that took place, I mean, think about it. In the Bible, no one denied that these miracles happened. I mean, think about, well, what did the Pharisees say about Jesus? They, they did not deny the miracles of Jesus. They just said, well, you're getting your power from Satan. They're not saying that it didn't happen. They're saying, oh, it, it happened, but there's no way that you could have done that. You see, in the Bible, no one denied there were miracles. I mean, think about Lazarus. Nobody was saying, now, wait a minute, that can't be Lazarus. That's not him. No, nobody said that. I mean, think about the resurrection. Nobody's denying the miracle of the resurrection, the supernatural sign, obviously, that took place there. You see, now that the Bible is complete, there is no need for supernatural signs. What does the Bible say at the end of Revelation? That no word should be added to this. The Bible is complete. It's an error. There's no mistake in what God has already written in His Word, and so there's no need for validation of who God is. I mean, the, the Son of God was the replica, the image, uh, the, the, the mirror image of who God Himself is. That is the epitome of revealing or, or dis, disclosing who God is, and so God doesn't need to validate who He is when He took on flesh to do that. So then the question that we would ask ourselves then is, well, if it's not flipping a coin and if God didn't tell me to do it, if I shouldn't seek for a sign, well, how can I hear from God? I mean, does God even still speak? Well, that's a good question, right? Well, I, I, would, I would suggest that in order to make the right decisions, it is imperative that we hear from God. 
Right. So does God still speak? Well, if we're going to make the right decisions, we've got to be able to hear from God. Psalm 23 verses two and three says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, lead here is the verb that carries the promise that our God will bestow the discernment of decision and direction that we need in order to keep moving with him along the path of life. You see, God is going to lead us. The psalmist writes, he will lead me by still waters. He will lead me in paths of righteousness. You know, when we if we say, well, does God still speak? Well, if we're going to make the right decision and we're going to make the decisions that God intends for us to make, then we've got to be able to hear from God. And we've got to understand that God does, he does lead us, that God will give us the direction that we need. You see, God's guidance will never violate his principles of righteousness or uprightness and integrity, nor will he ever prompt us to irresponsible decisions or actions. You see, God, God's going to guide us where? Well, the psalmist says, in paths of righteousness. He's going to lead us to do the things that are right. Well, what is, what is right in God's eyes? What is it that, that God intends for us to do? Well, well, God guides us to obey his word and to choose between options by the exercise of using Christ-like, God-honoring, and far-seeing wisdom that is modeled for us in the Bible. That's how God speaks to us. Does God still speak to us? Absolutely, through His Word. You see, when we apply Christ-like, God-honoring, far-seeing wisdom to our decision-making process, well, this type of wisdom always aims at what will please God best. Remember, all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are what? Are called according to His purpose. This is what pleases God the best. And so the question tonight is, is not, does God speak? But rather, how does He speak? Does God speak? Absolutely God speaks. I mean, think about what is the Bible is full of God speaking. That is, the, the Word of God is defined as the spoken Word of God, that God has revealed Himself, that He has spoken to His people. So the question is not, does God speak? No. The question is, how does He speak? You see, the overwhelming truth of the Bible is that God speaks to His children. God speaks. Old Testament, New Testament. Every page of the Bible is how God has spoken directly to his children. And so the question is not, does he speak? Well, the question is, well, how does he guide us then? How does he speak? How does he guide us to make the right decisions? Well, God does speak to us today, as we just said, both practically and personally. But he does so through the written word of God. So you want God to speak to you? I want God to speak to you. We want to know what it is that God intends for us to know. Well, how can we know that? Through spending time in the Word of God. Through spending time in the Word of God. You see, God makes the Word understandable to us in our hearts and minds through the Holy Spirit of God. 
And so if we want to know what it is that God intends for us to do, if we want to make the right decisions, well, we've got to go to the Word of God and we've got to ask the Holy Spirit of God to make it understandable to us in our hearts and in our minds. You see, as we think about uh, God speaking, I can tell you tonight that God never speaks apart from His Word. God is never going to tell you to do something that is contrary to the Word of God. God will always confirm what He intends for you to do through His Word. Now, as we think about that, and we think about the signs and the miracles that took place in Scripture, we think about uh, how God spoke in times past, and, and so we now say, well, God speaks to us today through the Word of God. We may say to ourselves, well, you know, we're at a disadvantage. No, what I would submit to you tonight, the fact that God speaks through His Word is a blessing, not a handicap. You say, oh, well, if God would just appear, if God would just show me what He wants me to do, well, He has done that. God has done that through His written Word. And so that's a blessing for us to have the Word of God. I mean, think about the Old Testament. If they needed to know what God intended for them to do, if God, if there was a decision that they needed to make, if it was, you know, God, should we go into battle or God, should we, uh, should we make this decision or should we make this move? Well, they had to, they had to, uh, they had to go and, and to the priest, they had to go to the temple and say, you know, God, I need to meet with you. And they had to have someone to, to meet with them. Now, there were some special occasions in the Bible where God met directly with his people, I mean, I think about Moses on the mountain and Moses went up to this special moment and he asked, God, what is it that you intend for the people to do? But they had, it was a special moment. I mean, think about, but what, think about what happened in the New Testament. What, did, what does the Bible say that Jesus did to that veil? The Bible says that Jesus tore the veil, the veil tore from top to bottom when Jesus was crucified. What did that do for you and me? That gave us direct access to God himself. Now, how do we have direct access to God? Through the Word of God. And so if we have a decision that we need to make, we simply open the Bible. And we say, God, what is it that you want me to do? The Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the very core of our hearts. I mean, if you were to go home today, same for me, I probably got 15 or 20 Bibles at my house. I mean, we've got, we've got places around the globe today that it's illegal to possess the Word of God. We've got churches that are meeting in secret hiding places so that they will not be arrested or they won't be, uh, you know, found out. But for us, we've got, we've got the Bible in, in abundance. I mean, we've got a bookstore, we've got a library here with every version of the Bible you could imagine. You see, the fact that God speaks through His Word is a blessing. And we ought to use it and apply it as such. You see, wise decisions, wise decisions are made by discerning the will of God. And God delights in revealing His will to those willing to do His will. And His will, God's will, is clearly revealed in His Word. You see, James says in uh, chapter 1, verse 22, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, when we're not applying the Word of God, we are deceiving ourselves. As you think about this, you think about God's guidance in making decisions. You see, a lot of times when people, uh, when, when people have a high view of biblical revelation, those people typically have a low view of any kind of extra biblical revelation. What do I mean by that? 
Well, people who elevate the Word of God to a level of utmost importance, those people who, uh, who go to the Word of God first, that, that seek an answer from God's Word first, very few, if ever, do those few times, if ever, do those people uh, look for any type of extra biblical revelation. They're not asking God to speak outside of the Word of God. If you have a high view of the Word of God, you're not looking for anything else but the Word of God because it is sufficient. John chapter 16 and verse 12 says, I have still many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see, the wise Christian seeking God's guidance He doesn't start with impressions or subjective fantasies. The the wise Christian seeking God's guidance, he he doesn't look for, you know, God will just impress on my heart what it is that you want me to do. God, give me special revelation. No, the wise Christian starts with the written word of God. With the written word of God, which they receive as their guidebook, as from the hand of Jesus Christ himself. You see, if we want to make wise decisions for God, the very first place we ought to start is the Word of God. God, what is it that your Word says? What is it that your Word is instructing me to do? You see, the final revelation has come to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus has revealed to us the Word of God. Jesus has revealed to us what it is that God intends for us to do. I mean, think about this. When when Jesus showed up to uh, the guys on the road to Emmaus, what did Jesus say after the resurrection? When when he appeared to the guys on the road to Emmaus, did he say to them, now listen, I'm going to tell you something that I've never told anyone else before. No, of course he didn't say that. I mean, how did the resurrected Christ stir the hearts of his followers? Well, look what the Bible says in Luke 24, 27. It says, And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He used the scriptures. He told them what the scriptures said, and that's how he uh, revealed himself to them. So how did he stir the hearts of the followers on the road to Emmaus? Through the written word of God. So the resurrected Jesus opened the scriptures to them because that would be the way by which spiritual life would be sustained for them from that point on. God would use the word of God to reveal himself, to sustain them. And so instead of spending time looking for the answer to your decision... What if, just think about this, in in 2018, looking forward, what if you spent that time mining God's Word? What what if we, instead of trying to, you know, God put, uh, putting out a fleece or God give me special revelation, what if, what if we just began to obey and apply what we already know? What God's already revealed to us through the Word of God. You see, what we should not be trying to do is We shouldn't be trying to get more information from God than He's already given us in the Scriptures. Listen, what we have is sufficient. The Bible says that uh, we have all that we need 
that uh, according to life and godliness. God's already given us everything that we need. And so by completely trusting in the Word of God for guidance in our decision-making, you can and you will discover truth and direction in God's Word that you have never seen before. You see, in, in the Word of God, I mean, think about D groups this, this year. Think, looking back at all the D groups that have taken place, time after time after time, what, what's the one thing that we've heard? That God has revealed Himself through the Word, that they see things in the Word of God that they have never seen before, that the Holy Spirit applies things to their heart that they've never seen before in the Word of God. And so as we began on this study of Crossroads, can I suggest to you tonight that this is the foundation for godly decision-making, applying the Word of God. 